All right, we have made it, everybody. It is Friday, Friday, January 27th. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Mosh Wanunu. And I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts. And we read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to, Jill. Any exciting weekend plans? Is that a joke? (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I'm the mom of two under three years old. Like, Mosh, like, come on. Yeah. The much more relevant question here is, do you have any exciting weekend plans? We're actually headed up to Vermont uh, to go skiing because there's actually been snow finally in the Northeast, at least up there. So we're going to go enjoy that. So hopefully you can live vicariously. Yes. Enjoy, sleep late, have some (laughs) afternoon cocktails. Just get after it. Join us for the opera. <laughs> Isn't that what they call it? Yes, yes. opera ski, I believe. Yeah. Okay, um, let's get to some news here. The Memphis officers involved in the beating death of Tyree Nichols, all charged with murder. In D.C., the push to ban lawmakers from trading stocks entirely and the cheeky name of one of the bills. The National Archives is asking all living former presidents and vice presidents to look for any classified material that they may still have laying around from their time in office. There are fears that we could be on the verge of another major conflict between Israel and the Palestinians. James Cameron's avatar hit a big milestone. Most you've got on this day. Big day in music history, Jill, uh, for Cindy Lauper and Will Smith, respectively. Plus, it's Friday, what we are watching, reading, and eating this weekend. All right, let's start with this developing story in Memphis, where five police officers fired last week in connection with the beating death of a 29-year-old black man, Tyree Nichols, were jailed on Thursday, all charged with second-degree murder, aggravated assault, and kidnapping. Nichols died on January 10th, three days after being severely beaten following a traffic stop. The Shelby County DA says, quote, while each of the five individuals played a different role in the incident in question, the actions of all of them resulted in the death of Tyree Nichols, and they are all responsible. The DA is expected to release video of the fatal police encounter. It's a mix of body camera video and also video from a nearby poll sometime after 6 p.m. Central Time tonight. Uh, But most Nichols family and attorneys, they already saw the video and have compared this to the beating of Rodney King by the Los Angeles police back in the early 90s. Yeah, that's the that's the beating back then that set off the um, L.A. riots. The police department in Memphis and police departments around the country are prepping for potential violence when this video comes out. The attorney for the family, Ben Crump, you might recognize him from some of the other civil rights matters in recent years, said that the police officers beat Nichols for three minutes. He's already seen a copy of the tape. He says they treated him like a, quote, human pinata. Crump said, yet again, we're seeing evidence of what happens to black and brown people from simple traffic stops. You should not be killed because of a simple traffic stop. We should note that all five of the officers are also black. They each joined the department within the last six years. Two of them actually played college football and towered over Tyree, who was just 145 pounds. Jill, you mentioned the kidnapping charges. The DA said that if it was legal detention to begin with by these officers, at some point it certainly became illegal and was unlawful detention. Al Sharpton, the civil rights leader, is chiming in here as well, saying these officers should not be allowed to hide their deeds behind their blackness. We are against all police brutality, not just white police brutality. Law enforcement across the state and federally, those who've seen the tape, are condemning it. An official with the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation 
called the officer's actions absolutely appalling. This is what went down. A spokesperson for the police said that the officers pulled Nichols over for reckless driving, and then he then fled on foot before he was ultimately arrested. That is when, for several minutes, they proceeded to beat him, taser him, kick him, punch him. Uh, He would ultimately die hours later. The attorney for the Nichols family says that uh, Tyree was pulled over while returning from a nearby park where he was taking photos of the sunset. The Memphis police chief has urged the community not to lash out in response to the video. She says, I expect you to feel what the Nichols family feels. I expect you to feel outrage in the disregard of basic human rights. And I expect our citizens to exercise their First Amendment right to protest, to demand action and results but we need to ensure that our community is safe in this process. None of this is a calling card for inciting violence or destruction on our community or our citizens. Jill, I've been hearing from some Memphis residents on Instagram who are uh, very nervous about what could unfold this weekend. And of course, as we mentioned, police departments across the country, including uh, where we are in New York, are on guard for potential uh, protests that could become violent. Okay, now let's turn to politics and the push to ban members of Congress from trading and owning stocks. This is something that's been talked about for a while. And this week, Republican Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri introduced a bill that would do just that. It is called the Pelosi Act. It's a bit of a jab at Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi. Actually, her husband, Paul Pelosi, who sold millions of dollars worth of shares of a computer chip maker, just as the House prepared to vote on a bill focused on domestic chip manufacturing. A Pelosi spokesperson at the time had said that he sold the shares at a loss. But it is not just Democrats who've come under fire for questionable trades. Republican Senator Richard Burr of North Carolina, he just left Congress. He had sold a bunch of stocks at the beginning of the pandemic. At the time, he was the chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee. The SEC did investigate his trades. They decided not to take any action against him. Hawley, though, says the Pelosi Act stands for Preventing Elected Leaders from Owning Securities and Investments Act. (laughs) Quite the acronym. Uh, Not the only legislation, though, that could potentially reign in trading. Earlier this month, a Democrat, Congresswoman Abigail Spanberger of Virginia, and a Republican, Chiproy of Texas, they reintroduced the Trust in Congress Act, which would require that members of Congress, their spouses, and their children put certain investment assets in a blind trust while that member is in office. Yeah, they love their acronyms here. The Pelosi Act by Hawley, clearly a shot at uh, Pelosi, preventing elected leaders from owning securities and investments. The Trust Act, for what it's worth, stands for Transparent Representation Upholding Service and Trust. They put the name in it. Anyway, um, what's (laughs) interesting, Jill, is that the House bill uh, combines both Roy and Spanberger, a Democrat and Republican, a much better chance of passage as opposed to the one Holly has pushed out that clearly is just basically a, uh, you know, the, the name is a cheap shot at Pelosi. Uh, so we will see what comes of it. But clearly this has taken on renewed interest. And it comes, Jill, as there is some legislation on the books, but it's pretty toothless. About 10 years ago, a, a law got passed that President Obama signed called the Stock Act. That currently requires lawmakers to report their financial trades or the trades of their spouses or children right away. Uh, It was meant to combat insider trading, but as of late last year, uh, nearly 80 members of Congress violated the act. Apparently, you can violate it as much as you want because the penalty for violating the Stock Act, Jill, is $200. (laughs) And you would imagine that some of these people, based on their information and knowledge, are making much more than that. 
on certain stock trades. In fact, in the last Congress, you had 40 Republicans and 37 Democrats, one of the things that the two parties agree on, uh, both violating the Stock Act. So there's this feeling that they do need to do more here. Uh, and some members are violating it much more egregiously than others. I was looking at some numbers here, Jill. There's a, a Republican congressman, Pat Fallon, out of Texas. He's violated the Stock Act multiple times and did $17 million in trades. You've had some, uh, there's, uh, there's Democrats who do this too. Debbie Wasserman Schultz apparently had incredible returns, according to one social media account, Unusual Whales, that puts together a comprehensive list of lawmakers and their trades and how well they did. The bottom line, uh, last year, the S&P uh, average was down 18% for the year, the overall uh, index. All right, so that was down 18%. You were lucky if you slightly did better than that by a couple percentage points. Meanwhile, in Congress, Democrats only down 1.75% last year versus the overall market. Republicans up slight uh, 0.4% in a year where the market was down 18%. Certainly leading to uh, questions, how exactly did they pull that off? Notably last year, Jill, despite uh, Holly naming it the Pelosi Act, and you know she's been known to make her trades, she was actually down worse than the market uh, the market was down 18%, as I stated. Pelosi down nearly 20% last year. So uh, she definitely did not outpace the market, at least not last year. Moshe, it's not clear if this is going to pass. Last year, Democrats scrapped a similar plan. I mean, you're basically asking lawmakers to pass a bill that could negatively affect their finances. But look, on a personal note, I know you and I both, we've worked for financial news outlets and we're not allowed to trade. And we would have much less impact on markets than any lawmaker who was potentially voting on a host of different issues that would have substantial impact on different companies. Right. I mean, it, we talk about all the time what Congress is doing, what they're investigating, the companies they're investigating, legislation they could pass, the uh, intelligence they get from congressional testimony that they're seeing. There's just so much that they're aware of. You also have lobbyists that are trying to curry favor with them that could potentially be like, listen, I think you should buy this stock or sell this stock, et cetera. And um, that's the problem here is when it comes to Congress, and I know people are shocked by this, we're asking them to police themselves and police their own financial self-interest. And by the way, congressmen make a couple hundred grand a year. And so they feel like this is, some of them admit, admitted this in interviews, that this is their only avenue to make real money. Uh, and you know, like you were saying, when I was at Bloomberg TV and CNBC, I signed a pile of documents that swore that I would never sell a cent or buy a cent in stock. And yet, um, you know, these members of Congress, we're, we're expecting them now to pass a bill against their own financial self-interest. And unless uh, you constituents call your congressional offices, it probably, you know, right now is more unlikely than not, uh, will, will not go through. But let's see. All right, before we get to our speed read and the rest of the day's news, we want to take a moment to thank our sponsors this week. Let's start with Athletic Greens. Jill, I know you have recently started their AG1 supplement. Every morning, Mosh, as a new parent, I am permanently sleep deprived and it feels like someone in my house is always sick. So I definitely need all of the help that I can get. The Athletic Greens AG1 powder is just one scoop with a glass of water in the morning. The AG1 powder contains over 75 important ingredients, including tons of vitamins and minerals. In addition, AG1 has pre and probiotics to help support gut health. And here's the best news. With your first purchase of AG1, Athletic Greens is giving Mo News listeners a free one-year supply of their vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1. Just visit athleticgreens.com slash monews to take advantage of this offer. You can get a discounted monthly subscription or try it 
one time for just a month. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash monews, M-O-N-E-W-S for this special deal and really start to take ownership of your health. All right, we have another amazing deal from our other sponsor this week, Bull and Branch Betting and Sheets. They're extending their special deal for Mo News listeners. Bull and Branch took notice uh, in the fall as we had a discussion about top sheets versus duvets, uh, and they were really excited about um, how passionate the Mo News community is about uh, a good night's sleep and their uh, sleep arrangements and their betting. And so they're offering right now Mo News listeners 15% off plus free shipping for a limited time with the promo code MONEWS. My wife Alex and I got a full set of their sheets in the fall. Sleeping on them nightly, they get softer with every wash. A reminder, we literally spend a third of our lives in bed, at least we should, eight hours a night. So sheets are a very big deal. And here's a fun fact thrown to me by the Bowling Branch people. President Clinton and President Bush both have used Bolin brand sheets, so that is a bipartisan endorsement there. A reminder again on the deal, for a limited time, get 15% off your first set of sheets and free shipping when you use the promo code MONEWS over at bullandbranch.com. That is bullandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code MONEWS. Time now for the speed read from NBC News, staying on the topic of Paul Pelosi, who we were chatting about before the break. A judge ordered the release of the body camera video and 911 call from the Paul Pelosi attack. Yesterday, San Francisco County judge said all evidence in the case will be made public, which includes video footage captured by Capitol Police surveillance cameras and body cameras worn by the two police officers who responded to the attack on the 82-year-old at the Pelosi's house in San Francisco in the early hours of October 28th. Yeah, federal prosecutors have charged the attacker, David DePape, uh, with several crimes in the attack, including attempted murder. He has pleaded not guilty. We will see how that unfolds this spring and summer. The attack itself uh, has led to a whole bunch of conspiracy theories online. And so they're seeking to quash some of the rumors and conspiracies by just releasing all the video. Uh, News agencies argued before the court that it was vital for prosecutors to publicly share their evidence to debunk any false information that has been swirling on the internet. There's a lot of theories out there. We've discussed a few of them, Jill, because there you know, has been the lack of video footage. Uh, a lot of it coming from the right-wing uh, social media circle, including Don Trump Jr., uh, and a whole bunch of places that have uh, alluded to a potential romantic relationship between Paul Pelosi and the attacker, um, questions about what they were wearing, questions about the San Francisco PD and why they happened to be there as the attack unfolded, questions about who opened the door for the police. Uh, They've gone back and forth, uh, finally admitting that Paul Pelosi actually opened the door, but then was still attacked. So anyway, it's led to a lot of questions, some fair, some completely unfair. And so they're hoping uh, they can clear that all up with the release of this video. Uh, For their part, the district attorney argued that releasing the footage will only allow people to manipulate the footage and spread further false information. But they're going with the whole theory here, at least the judges, that uh, sunlight is the best disinfectant. And so we will look out for that video when it comes out. From the Washington Post, the National Archives has sent a letter to every single living former president and vice president asking them to review their personal records to verify that no classified materials are inadvertently outstanding. It comes after the discovery and return of a limited number of records bearing classified markings in recent weeks at President Biden's home and think tank and also the home of former Vice President Mike Pence. 
We also know more than 100 classified documents were found by the FBI last year when they searched former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate. Yeah, he had nearly 300 of them. Uh, I think Biden, we're working on a couple dozen right now. Uh, Pence, uh, slightly less than that. But this is our government, Jill. Uh, The archives literally being like, can everyone just go through their stuff and make sure they didn't accidentally take some classified documents over the course of the past 40 years? The only living president that I guess uh, can opt out here is Jimmy Carter because the law changed after he was president. So I guess maybe he's grandfathered in. By the way, Jimmy Carter, still ticking, doing well down there in Georgia. So President Obama, George W. Bush, Bill Clinton, Vice President Cheney, Al Gore, Dan Quayle, basically they're all getting copy of this letter being like, please let us know if you might have something and please return it uh, if you do. An advisor to Obama's office told the Washington Post, that all classified records from his time in the White House had been submitted to the National Archives back when he left office in 09. And so that's where they stand on this. I I don't know if Barack and Michelle are going to be going through their garage, but we'll see. Jill, there's a couple issues here. First, presidents and vice presidents appear to have been given special treatment here because literally everyone else who has security clearance is read the riot act even if they accidentally walk out of a room or pull out a phone while they're in the room with classified or highly secured documents, they're threatened with jail time for decades. Uh, Yet presidents and vice presidents are basically given this sort of ability to take classified documents home with them for the night or for 15 years in Biden's case. So, you know, there's a lot of people complaining in the federal government being like, why, like, how could this be? And why is there no inventory? Because in the case of the archives, They clearly knew that Trump took some stuff with him to Mar-a-Lago because they requested it from him. That's led to the year and a half fight with Trump being like, please give us documents back. Trump giving some, refusing others, leading to the FBI search warrant. In the cases of Biden Pence, it is apparent that the archives didn't even know they were missing those documents, right? And so they're like, hey, we turned up some documents. Archives like, oh, cool. We didn't know you had those. Please return them. And that's where we're at right now. And so I've gotten notes from people who are like, can we elect a librarian for president in 2024? I was watching an interview with somebody who works with a lot of these classified documents. And he was saying that one of the issues is that even some documents that seem pretty innocuous that have kind of like generic information on it, they might be classified because of the way in which that info was obtained. Maybe it was just a a source that's placed somewhere. So even though the information may not seem so secretive, if somebody accessed that paper or saw the classified document, it could potentially cause a serious problem. Yeah, think about it this way, because you'll often see that some classified documents are like news articles. And you're like, well, why would that be classified? And it's like, well, I don't know, maybe Vladimir Putin is like, they found on his desk that he keeps reading this New York Times story, right? So that gives you a sense of his where he's at. And so that might mean it's classified, you know? And by the way, I say this with somebody who's never had security clearance of any sort, but that's how it's been described to me. And so I think there's multiple issues here, which is the overclassification, which is certainly an issue, but just the basic inventory here, Jill. I mean, I get notes from people who are like, I get called if I like, you know, checked out a children's book, the library's calling me being like, please return the children's <laughs> right. book. And it's like, how do we not have a similar system with like 
barcodes for every classified document printed out for a president, right? Speaking of which, I took my son to the library today and I took out a couple of books and they're like, you have uh, $7.50 in overdue charges. And I was thinking to myself, how late were these books? Because I feel like when we were kids, it was like a penny a day if your books were mm-hmm. overdue. So I need to, to stay on top of this. Jill, how have you not made a reference yet to the Bookman Seinfeld episode? Give me time, Moshe. I was about to do it. it what a classic episode. Yeah, uh, Jerry, I guess they come after him for a missing book. Was it 30 years later? <laughs> Basically. And you got to love it because the, the library cop is named Bookman and it was actually uh, Philip Baker Hall. Yeah, yeah, who, who we lost recently, sadly. But it's a, it's a great episode if you're going to go back and watch one. From Yahoo Finance, the U.S. economy grows at 2.9% rate to cap 2022 Quelling recession concerns, economic activity expanding faster than expected in the final three months of 2022, marking a resilient end to a year defined by stubborn inflation, rising interest rates, and battered financial markets. While the preliminary fourth quarter reading reflects a bit of a slowdown from 3.2% in the prior quarter, the rise in GDP rounds out a healthy year of growth after the economy contracted in each of the first two quarters of 2022. So translation there, the first half of 2022, the economy got smaller. The back half of 2022, the economy grew. Uh, we typically, going back now, uh, more than a decade, grow about 2 to 3%, and then COVID threw things completely out of whack. And we're still bouncing back from that. In 2020, the major collapse of the economy. 2021, the huge bounce back. And then sort of as like any bouncing ball would bounce, then you sort of have this sort of trickle up and down, up and down. So you saw 2022 start off uh, poorly. Uh, that led to the whole debate about are we in a recession or not? The end of 2022, looks like we're bouncing back here. People feeling relatively good about 2023. Though there continue to be concerns that we could see a drop off again at some point in 2023. One of the things that was remarkable in the report, uh, Jill, was that consumer spending way up. Uh, people continue to spend money uh, part of that, obviously, due to prices and inflation. But uh, what we're seeing here, and this is something that economists are concerned about, is this uh, drop in what they call real disposable income. That fell a trillion dollars last year. Translating that further, uh, people are having to keep up with inflation. And so people are depleting their savings, burning through stimulus checks that they received in previous years, going into credit card debt. Uh, savings plummeted by $1.6 trillion last year falling below 2009 levels. And as a percentage, this is the uh, one of the most significant drops in real disposable income that we've seen since 1932, back in the Great Depression. So yes, inflation is high, but we are seeing consumers continue to spend on things like experiences and travel, etc., and heading into credit card debt on that front. So just a fair warning to people, with uh, interest rates continuing to increase, Credit card interest rates are really, really bad into the 20% plus neighborhood. So be very careful to the extent possible. Yes, you know, eggs are expensive. Certain things are expensive. But as far as uh, throwing out disposable income, that certainly has economists worried about how much people are spending here. Okay, a story we're watching internationally, this from the AP. Early on Friday, the Israeli military said two rockets were fired from the Gaza Strip and intercepted by its Iron Dome missile defense system. It was the first such attack from the militant Hamas-ruled territory since Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu returned to power. He has pledged a tough line against Palestinian militancy. Terror groups in the Gaza Strip have vowed to respond to the deaths of nine Palestinians during an Israeli army raid in the West Bank earlier in the day. 
The Israeli military said troops entered the refugee camp in the northern West Bank town of Jenin on Thursday to foil what they say was an imminent attack planned by a local wing of the Palestinian Islamic Jihad terror group. The cell had primed explosives and firearms. Nine Palestinians, including several members of the Palestinian Islamic Jihad cell, Hamas and other gunmen, and at least one civilian older woman were killed and another 20 people were wounded. Yeah, so the big concern right now is is escalation in the region. Uh, of course, you might remember the all-out war that we saw in May of 2021. Uh, last year, though, it was a slightly different experience. I'll get to that in a second. The Israeli military saying it carried out that raid in Janine after receiving intel that the uh, group was about to carry out armed attacks against Israeli soldiers. According to Palestinians on the ground there, the Israeli special forces apparently entered the camp hiding inside a dairy delivery truck. And that's how they got into the camp and then the raid ensued. Hamas, which uh, governs the 2 million people who live in Gaza, separate from the West Bank, vowed that Israel will pay a price for what they call the Janine Massacre. Our resistance will not break. Our response will come soon. We've already seen that overnight with the rockets. The question is, uh, will it escalate into all-out war? I, I mentioned the all-out war back in May 2021. Uh, that went on for uh, a couple of weeks there, uh, and they suffered a lot of damage and casualties in the Gaza Strip. Last year, when there was a conflict between the Israelis and the Islamic Jihad group, Hamas basically sat on the sidelines. So keep in mind here, Hamas, Islamic Jihad, effectively of frenemies. They're both militant groups that jointly consider Israel their enemy, though they are competitors in some ways. Hamas much bigger than Islamic Jihad. Last year, effectively, the Israelis told Hamas to sit on the sidelines, let us deal with Islamic Jihad. Hamas did that. They gave some rhetorical support, but did not send missiles. The question here is, will uh, Hamas and Islamic Jihad team up for all-out war this go-around, or will Hamas send the sidelines and let the Israelis deal with the Islamic Jihad group here which to a certain extent benefits Hamas because it basically uh, keeps down their competitor and they don't have to deal with governing a territory that is under siege by the Israelis. So we will see what takes place here, but tensions are very high as uh, we see multiple times a year, unfortunately, in that region of the world. And we'll continue to monitor things here. From NPR, a committee of advisors to the FDA voted unanimously on a proposal to simplify the nation's strategy for vaccinating people against COVID-19. The recommendation is that future COVID-19 vaccines should be made to target the same viral strain or strains for both the initial shot and the booster, regardless of the manufacturer. The vote was unanimous, 21 to zero. The idea behind the revamp is to make vaccination less complicated and confusing the ultimate goal would be to get more people vaccinated. The booster numbers have been pretty disappointing. The agency proposed a meeting in late May or early June this year to have shots ready for the fall. So the goal would be to match the vaccine to the likely strains of the virus that would be circulating during the winter. Yeah, we talked about this earlier in the week as this was first proposed. It did surprise some of the advisors. Uh, though apparently they, they went ahead here unanimously. The hope among some medical officials was to see uh, more evidence from the manufacturers uh, of the vaccines that uh, these are effective and it's sort of going to an annual schedule would work. Uh, they want to see some more research. Uh, but right now it appears the FDA will go ahead with this. They're trying to keep it simple. All of the flu vaccine, uh, as you mentioned for folks, where just annually you get your shot. And if you are of a certain age, either very young or very old, you might get two shots. 
Uh, and so we will see what unfolds there. It appears this would begin as soon as this summer, and we'll wait to hear details on, uh, depending on how many vaccines or boosters you've already gotten, if that'll change the calculus moving forward. From Variety, there is no stopping the way of water. James Cameron's Avatar sequel is now the fifth highest grossing movie of all time, passing Avengers Infinity War to take its spot on Thursday. Avatar The Way of Water has now grossed $2.05 billion at the global box office. Only the original Avatar, Avengers Endgame, Titanic, and Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens, rank higher on the all-time list. Avatar The Way of Water has also earned more than Spider-Man No Way Home, making it the highest grossing movie of the pandemic era. Pretty remarkable for James Cameron there, Jill. Uh, three of the top five all-time grossing movies, Titanic and both Avatars, are his films. Very impressive, um, but they're also quite expensive to make. <laughs> yeah, he was actually saying when we were first reporting on this around Christmas, uh, we had noted that Cameron said that anything less than $2 billion in revenue, he would view as a failure, as a disappointment. We should note, by the way, that the uh, figures are not uh, inflation adjusted. So the first Avatar all time made $2.9 billion, but that's in previous money. So if you inflation adjust it, that would be higher. Either way, the $2 billion mark, pretty remarkable regardless. Most of that for Way of Water, the Avatar sequel, has come internationally, where it's grossed $1.5 billion so far. Uh, at the domestic box office here in the U.S., it's made about $600 million. So as far as domestic U.S. Uh, movie goers, it stands number 13 all time when it comes to U.S. It's that international market where it's really uh, blowing up. Mosh, it's also pretty incredible, given that this movie runs more than three hours. Who has the time? Well, I, clearly people are at least buying the ticket, whether they're making it. Listen, I, I, I don't want to poo-poo it. I have not seen it yet. Uh, and I know that there, there are some people who are obsessed with it. Uh, and there's some really apparently cool motion capture scenes underwater and some really cool effects. And it took him more than a decade to make. Keep in mind, by the way, there's two more Avatar films coming after this, by the way, Jill. So... Uh, more on the way. So at some point, we'll probably just have to bite the bullet and sit down for three hours and 17 minutes and watch the sucker. There will be a day when you say to me, Jill, any big weekend plans? And I'm just going to say <laughs> Avatar, one, two, three, four, and five. We're putting the kids down for a three and a half hour nap that doesn't exist, but we'll watch it in parts. We'll watch <laughs> it like a like a TV show. With that, let's head into On This Day in History. Uh, we'll begin with a couple of birthdays. Happy 68th birthday to Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts. He turned 68 today. Dancer Mikhail Baryshnikov, 75 years old. And then a few other actors with birthdays, James Cromwell, Patton Oswalt, and Rosamund Pike. Happy birthday, dear in the words of Joe Biden. It fits, it fits in the words all of, of Joe them. Biden. I feel like, Joe, we need to link to the, every time we make a reference to the Joe Biden birthday fail, we should link to it in the show notes in case somebody has not caught it yet. <laughs> um, one major piece of history on this day, 50 years ago today, the Paris Accord officially ended the Vietnam War for the U.S. At the time, that was the longest running war in American history that, of course, later would be surpassed by the, our war in Afghanistan. Uh, effectively, the accord uh, signed on this day in 1973 provided for an exchange of prisoners and for the withdrawal of U.S. forces from South Vietnam. A couple pop culture historical notes here. On this day, 47 years ago, Laverne and Shirley uh, premiered on ABC. Jill, do you remember how the theme song began? It was a classic. 
I, I don't totally remember it. I, I know when you say it, I'm going to remember. It's, it's slightly before our time, but I remember watching the reruns back in the day. It starts Schlemiel, Schlemazel, Hassan Pfeffer Incorporated. That's it. <laughs> Penny Marshall, Cindy Williams, classic. Uh, a couple other items in musical news on this day. On this day, 39 years ago, Time After Time by Cindy Lauper great, was released. Great song. 32 years ago today, Whitney Houston performed her iconic national anthem at Super Bowl 25 on this day in 1991. And for you millennials, I unfortunately have a little piece of news that you're getting old. 25 <laughs> years ago today, Will Smith released Getting Jiggy With It. That song turns 25 today. Na, 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 na. <laughs> Is that even right? It doesn't sound normal when you just do that part. I think you have all the Nas. I think you got to all the Nas. That was like, that was kind of peak Will Smith, uh, getting jiggy with it, Wild Wild West, Miami, like a lot was popping at that time for him. Pre-slap, many years before the slap. <laughs> it's so it's such a shame because now the only thing I think about when I when we say Will Smith is the slap. The slap. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's going to take a while to forget the slap. It's BS and AS. Before slap, after slap. Correct. Correct. All right, Mosh. It is Friday. Time for cheers to the freaking weekend. Look at what we are watching, reading, and eating. Uh, what are you watching? So I'm hoping to go see The Fablemans sometime this weekend or early next week. I keep hearing good things about it. Big Spielberg fan. And then there's a lot of cultural references. I always uh, like I'm embarrassed when I'm not in the zeitgeist on certain things. And a lot of references are being made to the menu on HBO Max. So I'm, I feel obligated to catch up on that. Did you see that? I have not, but I definitely want to watch it at some point. Jill, what are you looking to watch this weekend? Avatar notwithstanding. So I have been hearing good things about The Traitors. It's a reality show. Uh, it's based on a Dutch series. Apparently, it's like the next Survivor. Um, I say that because hmm. one of my other favorite podcasts is called Mention It All. Uh, they were talking about it, and, and that's hmm. just sort of about the housewives. Anyway, it sounded great. Uh, I think I may check it out. I need mindless stuff sometimes. I totally get it, because we also sort of have to live and breathe the news. So like, personally speaking... You know, sometimes the last thing you need is like something serious to watch on a weekend. Jill, which brings us to what we're reading. But now I'm seeing what you're reading this weekend. And it it's pretty, pretty serious. Yeah, not exactly like zone out, light, <laughs> mindless reading. Today, <laughs> no, some hardcore. Uh, today is International Holocaust Remembrance Day, which I wanted to just mention. Uh, there is a book that has been sitting on my bookshelf for about a year that I have been meaning to read. It is called the Choice, Embrace the Possible. It's by a Holocaust survivor, Dr. Edith Eager. She tells her own remarkable story, how she survived. She was imprisoned in multiple concentration camps, including Auschwitz. Her parents were killed by Joseph Mengele. Um, it's partly about her story of survival, but it's also about how she managed to overcome her guilt, her anger. Um, and she's now a psychologist and treats patients who suffer from PTSD and anxiety. Uh, so I I actually started it already. Uh, I'm about a chapter in and it's it's so gripping. Jill, I know you're also working on an interview for the podcast with the survivor. I am, Mosh. Um, and he has an incredible story as well. He was hiding with a Christian family when he was a toddler in Amsterdam, which is uh, where Anne Frank was hiding with a family I am hoping to talk to him sometime today and and hopefully push out that podcast uh, as an extra edition either this afternoon or sometime this weekend next or next week. 
Great. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I myself just got done recording an interview with Jill Schlesinger, my former colleague from CBS, who has a new book. So we'll actually have uh, that as an extra edition of the podcast next week. Uh, she has a new book out uh, that I've been reading this week called The Great Money Reset, How to Reset Your Life. Uh, it includes a lot of great tax, financial advice, job advice. But it, really, the theme of the book is all about, you know, during COVID, a lot of us finally gained up the courage to either leave current jobs and pursue passion projects, start side hustles, et cetera. And she goes through basically what you need to do and what you need to know before you kind of jump in to the deep end. So it's a great conversation. Uh, it's a great book. Again, The Great Money Reset. We'll link to it in the show notes and we'll have a, a, our conversation uh, that we just recorded out next week. Okay, Mosh, what are you eating this weekend? So we've been really liking in the past couple of days, Jill, uh, almond butter banana crepes. Uh, Alex has uh, made a couple and, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're jamming on those right now this week. What's not to like? <laughs> <laughs> it's all, <laughs> I'm not wondering what took us so long to start making them. Um, Jill, what are you Almond eating? Almond butter, banana. I mean, it sounds delicious. Okay. I, on the other hand, have been eating a ton of, dr- <laughs> I mean, it sounds so lame compared to, to yours. <laughs> I've been eating dried say, fruit, Mosh, and I was actually excited wow, about exhilarating, it. Exhilarating, <laughs> exhilarating, Jill. Jill was so excited. She's like, Mosh, I'm going to talk about my dried fruit. And I'm like, I'm having almond <laughs> almond butter, peanut butter, banana crepes. I feel like... I, She's like, oh, wah, wah. I had felt like I had such a winner here. Uh, but it does, it kind of tastes yeah. like candy. I don't know if you've ever had dried mango or apple. Those are my two favorites. Oh, I love them. We're big dried mango people. We're big dried mango people here in the house. <laughs> Just don't rip out your teeth during it. Oh, yeah. Well, you you know then if like it's the dried mango, the bag's been open for too long, you might need, to, <laughs> exactly. might need to toss it. So be careful with the dried fruit, folks. Otherwise, you'll make some money for your dentist. Jill, should we say goodbye? I think we have to, unfortunately. Um, that is a wrap for us here on the Mo News Daily Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode and review us in the App Store so we can continue to grow. Those reviews make a difference. So we appreciate all of you take a moment to review us. Uh, on your podcast app of choice. Of course, again, next week, we'll have a couple extra special editions for you. So be on the lookout there. So make sure to subscribe to the podcast. If you subscribe, you won't miss any of these extra editions. You will have them immediately. Uh, also, keep in mind, if you don't already, follow us on Instagram, the Mo News account, at Mosh, at M-O-S-H-E-H, where this whole thing started. Jill, everyone, I'll see you on Monday. Have a good weekend. 